This afternoon we're considering the spirit of glory. It's a phrase from this passage. And the, the passage is about suffering and how the Lord is with us in our suffering. And it's by the spirit. And there's something we need to know about the spirit. The spirit brings Jesus close to you. And the spirit also brings you close to Jesus Christ. See, that's the bond between you and Jesus, the spirit. And that's important because we've entered into a new world in our following of Jesus Christ where suffering is a normal part of it. It's, as people like to say, the new normal. And maybe we rebel against this idea. We don't like the idea that suffering is normal. It's part of the uh, way that things are in a fallen world. But we need to know that there is glory that is veiled in this suffering. Just as Jesus Christ veiled his glory, so the glory of believers joined to Jesus Christ is veiled through the state of being sufferers. And so we look at these three verses and we have three different things that we need to consider. Uh, first of all, in verse 14, we have a pattern that is counterintuitive. It goes against the way we normally think of things, a counterintuitive pattern in verse 14. Then there's a qualification given to us in verse 15, and then an exhortation or an encouragement in verse 16. So a counterintuitive pattern, a qualification, verse 15, and then an exhortation and, and further encouragement in verse 16. That's our passage. So first of all, the counterintuitive part. What is, what is it that goes against our natural way of thinking? Well, it's right there in the opening words. If you are reproached for the name of Christ. Reproached. It's the word, uh, a word that means being insulted. Insulted. For the name of Christ. Now he says if, and we've considered this before, we thought about this the last time uh, when we were reflecting on the, on the passage. Um, does everybody who is a Christian experience insults for the name of Jesus Christ in every circumstance? Well, he says if because he's including the fact that there are people that don't always and on a regular basis experience this. He's describing reality. There are actual insults, there's verbal abuse, but there's a spectrum of experiences that people have. The people who are receiving this letter and even uh, those of us who are, who are hearing it now. But the verbs suggest that there's something that's continuing over time, being reproached for the name of Jesus Christ. You know that word reproach is a very important word. It's translated as a different word in the passage I'm about to read, but see if you recognize the source. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. There's that word. The word reproached is the word reviled. Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, was reviled. And we are being told, that we might be reproached or insulted for the sake of Jesus Christ. He is the one 
that is told us in the passage we just read in, in Luke uh, to take up our cross daily and follow him. So that means that we have to wrestle with something. We have to wrestle with this counterintuitive pattern and we have to think about it in the way that we normally respond uh, to such truths. We don't like them. And we need to kill that part of us that is unwilling to accept such truths. Matthew Henry put it this way, an unmortified spirit is very unfit to bear trials. What's Matthew Henry saying? He's saying that we need to deny ourselves. We need to mortify our old nature in order to bear trials. It's preparation for bearing the trial. And that's important because it's counterintuitive for us to read what this verse says. It doesn't only say, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, it says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. That's the counterintuitive part. If you're reproached, if you're insulted for the name of Jesus Christ, you're blessed. That's what the Bible's saying. And this is the second time that Peter has used this language. Um, in chapter 3 and verse 14, I'm going to have to flip my glasses off from time to time here. Um, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. He says that in chapter 3 and verse 14. And that's important for us to know. We're blessed if we suffer for righteousness sake. We're blessed if we're reproached for the name of Christ. That's something we need to meditate upon and, and begin to understand. Why is it that we are blessed if we are reproached for the name of Christ? Well, the verse tells us the very next phrase, because for or because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's one of the highest blessings or privileges you could imagine. And it's put in the present tense. Rests. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It's a constant resting. If you are reproached, then the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you're reproached for the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Well, there's an echo here of something that is said in Psalm 89, uh, verses 50 and 51. Listen to this. It's speaking of the Messianic king, and it's speaking through the lens of the Davidic kingship, but it's talking about Jesus. Listen to this. Remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. The Davidic kings, when they were reproached, were pointing forward to Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ who was reproached. In other words, the being, the being reproached or suffering for the name of Jesus Christ is a present token of the Spirit's presence. The Spirit of God and of glory rests upon you. It's a token of his presence. It enables us to uh, know that God is indeed present with us in a very significant way. Remember what it said in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, 
uh, concerning that one who would come, the rod from the stem of Jesse and the branch that would grow out of his roots. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ was filled with the spirit above measure. He had the spirit resting upon him. It happened at his baptism. You saw that uh, John the Baptist was able to see that the spirit came down in the form of a dove resting on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one that the spirit of God is going to rest on. Now that's very significant language, the spirit of God resting on him because it's echoing the temple sanctuary, the resting place of the Lord. It's echoing uh, the time when the fiery cloud ascends or remains on the tent in the book of Exodus. It's echoing what happens at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That spirit that rested upon the Lord Jesus Christ, now resting upon you. That's the privilege. That's the payoff. In the midst of your suffering, you have certain knowledge that this is what's taking place. One of the reasons that you have that knowledge is the very language that's used. It's the spirit of glory. The spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ from glory. The spirit of glory. Picking up uh, the language of the way in which uh, the people of God uh, were told in 1 Peter that they would rejoice uh, when, when, they, when they saw uh, glory revealed um, in chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, verse 9, of course, uh, though now you do not see him, that's Jesus Christ, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then we were to, told in chapter 1 and verse 13 to gird up the loins of our mind and be sober and rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The glory that is associated with reflecting upon the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is part of the outcome of the spirit of glory. In the book of Acts, uh, there is a manifestation of what this glory looks like. Uh, as the uh, believers in the book of Acts uh, experience suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. And we'll refer to this a little later, but just to remind you that uh, the believers in Acts chapter 5 were commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus Christ. But the believers departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They saw this as a, an affirmation of the way in which they were being approved by God. That's part of the glory. The glory of the Lord descended on Mount Sinai in the desert in the tabernacle 
It filled the temple in Second Chronicles 7. It inhabits Stephen's countenance in Acts chapter 6 so that his face looks like the face of an angel and enables Stephen at the end of chapter 7 to be able to express a desire for the forgiveness of the people that are stoning him because they didn't know what they were doing. You see, the Spirit is designed to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And that spirit of glory that rests upon us not only can give us that kind of joy in the midst of suffering, that uh, awareness of the, of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ as an advocate like Stephen was given, but it also uh, is provided uh, to us by the Father and the Son for a very specific and, and uh, helpful reason. John 14 to verse uh, John 14 to chapter 16, the Lord Jesus Christ says so many things about the Spirit that we could spend hours and hours and hours reading and reflecting upon them, and we would not explore all of it. But look at what Jesus Christ says in John 16, verse 14. The Spirit will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That's what the Spirit of glory is doing. The Spirit that is from the glorified Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit that gives you that fellowship, that bond with Jesus Christ in glory, but also the spirit that glorifies Jesus Christ. Is it possible that in the midst of your suffering, you could see a way to focus on the glory of Jesus? You see, that's what enabled these apostles and the people who were being beaten in Acts chapter 5 to rejoice because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. He's being glorified. And so I'm willing to suffer. That's why this uh, verse says, if you are reproached for the name of Jesus Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. The very one that they are blaspheming, you are seeking to bring glory to. And that is what enables you to experience blessing. You see, it's a counterintuitive pattern. I want the one that I am associated with to be glorified. And therefore, I experience a blessing. They are guilty, but you are not guilty. You are innocent, verse 16. So there are ways to suffer that are mentioned in verse 15. And so we have to have this qualification. There are different ways to suffer that could be negative, that don't bring glory to Jesus Christ. But your true identity is what it says in verse 16. That which does bring glory to Lord Jesus Christ. So first we have to deal with this qualification. The promise of the blessing of the Spirit resting on you is not a promise that everyone can claim. Because there's a kind of suffering that is a consequence for sin. First Peter 2 and verse 20 says, For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. In other words, it's better if you suffer for doing well than for doing the wrong thing. The point is that some forms of suffering are not to be encouraged. Matthew Henry puts it this way, The best of men need to be warned against the worst of sins. 
I don't need to be warned about murder. Well, the Bible says, yes, you do. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. We need to be reminded that that is not suffering that will bring glory to Lord Jesus Christ. And it is not part of the blessing that's mentioned in verse 14. A murderer, a thief, an evildoer, those are fairly obvious. But what about a busybody? A busybody is someone who interferes in the affairs of others. A meddler, someone uh, may have his eye on someone else's possessions. Uh, a thief is one who dishonestly takes to himself what is uh, entrusted uh, to someone else. Um, and a meddler is one who gets involved in things that don't concern him. And so there's very little comfort uh, in suffering that we bring on ourselves that we simply cause by sinful actions. First uh, Peter 2.20, which we just looked at, um, beaten for your faults. You've, you've done something wrong. And there's a certain amount of suffering in a fallen world. And in some cases, it can be used to bring us to repentance. But it's not designed to give us the kind of blessing that comes from the spirit of glory that is mentioned in verse 14. So there's a, an implication here that if it's being mentioned this way, that the Lord Jesus Christ is blasphemed, that um, you're glorifying him and you're being told not to suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer. You need to recognize that there were times when believers actually suffered for the name of Jesus Christ in a similar way to those who were murderers, who were rebellious slaves or thieves. And so we need this further encouragement. We need to be reminded that uh, is not only are we to consider the qualification that we don't want to suffer merely for our bad deeds, but we also need to be once again encouraged about what it means to suffer as a Christian. And so verse six, uh, 16 gives us further encouragement and a further exhortation. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. In verse 12, the Holy Spirit mentioned one possible response to a period of intense suffering. Surprise. I could be surprised that I'm suffering. But here in verse 16, we encounter another possible response. Shame. Surprise can throw you off your square. I'm surprised that I'm suffering. I'm a little bit unsettled by this. But shame has a different effect. If you are truly ashamed, you might be tempted to give up. And that's why the word of God is giving you this exhortation, this encouragement. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And so we go back to that story in Acts chapter 5 when the Pharisees wanted to kill Peter and the others for speaking of Jesus publicly. And Gamaliel makes a speech and he warns them to be careful lest they be found to oppose God. 
And Gamaliel says, And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. What was the attitude of these uh, apostles in Acts chapter 5? They were not ashamed. They were not ashamed, but instead sought to glorify God. This is consistent with, the, with what the Apostle Paul writes about himself in Romans chapter 1 when he's writing to the Romans and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When we are told to stop sharing the gospel, we must persevere and continue to share in his name to glorify the living God in the midst of a fallen world. Even if you're being uh, led into suffering that is similar to the suffering that a murderer would face or a thief, even if they're misrepresenting you, blaspheming the name of your Lord, there's no shame in standing up for the name of Jesus Christ because you're suffering as a Christian, one who is... Uh, associated with the name of Jesus Christ. And what is more, you have the spirit of glory and the spirit of God resting upon you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible truth that the spirit of glory rests upon us the Spirit of God. The Spirit that comes from the risen Christ, from the Father and the Son. The Spirit that joins us to Jesus, bringing Jesus to us and bringing us to Him. We thank you for the knowledge that it is possible with this connection with you because of your presence, to glorify you in the midst of our suffering. And particularly if we are insulted or reproached for the name of Jesus Christ, if we suffer as a Christian, we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would keep away from our minds that idea that somehow when we suffer for the name of Jesus Christ, we should be ashamed. That somehow we should be tempted to give up. Instead, we ask that you would help us to see how you are providing for us knowledge that we presently have the Spirit resting on us. And we are those who are joined to the one who suffered and was reproached on our behalf in order to free us from sin. And we are joined to the one who is providing for us the means of perseverance, the one who's going to shepherd us through. And the one who has said that if we are not ashamed of him, 
and of his words that you will not be ashamed of us when Jesus comes back. Teach us not to be ashamed of Jesus, not to be ashamed to suffer for him, not to be ashamed to speak of him, to speak the gospel, not to be ashamed uh, to encounter suffering, but instead to see it as a badge of honor. As the apostles in Acts 5, we ask, Father, that you would lead us to see the wonder of the spirit of glory and of God resting on us. Now, we don't expect that we will see this wondrous reality in the visible, clear way that Stephen was given to see it. But we do know that because your word says this, if we are reproached for the name of Jesus Christ, we are blessed because of the fact that right now the spirit of glory and of God rests on us. And we would desire to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ no matter what happens. And we would desire to avoid all of the false uh, worldly ways of experiencing the consequences of our actions and to bring suffering upon ourselves. But instead, we desire to suffer merely and more and more as those who are joined to Jesus Christ. It is a privilege. It is a privilege that we have only begun to understand because it works against the way that we think. It works against the way the world thinks. But Father, this is your way. You have demonstrated it in the life and death and burial and resurrection and exaltation into heaven and the pouring out of the spirit of your son. And so we pray that you would be glorified in the way that we follow Jesus in a fallen world, equipped with the spirit of the risen Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.